this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah happened. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to have child in the womb of the Holy Spirit. Just then, and unwilling to shame her, he wanted to divorce her secretly. But when he deliberated this, suddenly an angel of the Most High God appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for in her is conceived a child from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill what had been spoken by the Most High through the prophet. Look now, the virgin shall conceive a child with womb and give birth to a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which translated means God is witness. And Joseph got up and did as the angel of the Most High God commanded him, and he took her as his wife, yet did not know her sexually until the birthing of a son, and named him Jesus. Okay, I'm stepping out from behind this there. And I hope you'll just bear with me. Some of this is going to sound kind of stream of consciousness as we get on into this. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see how plays out here. What a surprise to discover a shameless God, holy other, who does the unthinkable, irresponsible, the foolish, and impossible, to choose heroines among the unvoiced, the weak, refugee, and poor, scholarly ciphers in the sand, strangers in the foreign land, or in a tiny plot, overwhelmed and caught between the principalities. What a surprise to discover a shameless God, who saves those uncovered, unprotected, often broken, and neglected. Who lift their hands and their voices, who cry out for true justice, and Shiloh for what's been denied, and Lama for those who have died, for those who live by other strange, their contradictions on their ends, foreigners for those in childless mothers. What a surprise to discover Anna, Susanna, Hagar, a virgin mother, placing lives in others' hands, facing what the law demands, placing all their public trust on the shameless, illness God. Who always seems to pause and wait to rescue the jaws of hate. What a surprise to discover hints of life and holy others, messengers who bear witness that the story is not finished. The one who rescues is not far, although it sees the way is barred. The one who sees those are pain and sheds tears through the holy way to mark the moment to acknowledge the one who is coming to the what a surprise to discover the name of the blameless God who bears the shame, who breaks the rod to spare the child, the one who keeps the one who saves, who rescues us from the grave, the shameless this the Holy One of Israel, Almighty God, God who saves. What a surprise to discover. What a surprise to the holy others, messengers of witness, that the story. Okay, guys. Your favorite story of angelic names. Right now, I'm just want you to try to think of your favorite story of angelic names. So, the whole story is in the synopsis, okay? Does it have to be from the Bible? No. Yes, it is. What? Yes, it is. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I apologize. I've been here in such a long time. I don't remember everything. Yeah. 
um, Clarence the Angel, and it's a wonderful line. Um, just all the forms he takes in that movie are so tender and sweet, I feel like. Help save George. Reminds me when the person can you make that What's that movie called? What's that movie called? Oh, that was Like the, uh, I don't know if it's deliverance per se, but the, the story in Genesis 18 and the tree of memory and um, Abram and Sarah and the three men come to them and the, the story, the language of the story vacillates between um, the angel of the Lord, I think, and the Lord. So it's like fuzzy, like is this God? Is it, is it an angel of the Lord? Yes. Um, and, and just that uh, the the angel, the the three beings come to receive hospitality. They uh, um, they come bringing news of good news for uh, laughable news for Abram and Sarah. I just I love that story. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So you were right. I was right. That that was an acceptable story to hear. Yeah. And, Three times, souls of men, holding his head over his head, and he All right. Yeah. Well, today is the fourth Sunday, yeah. And in the fourth Sunday of Advent, we light the fourth candle, which is which is the candle of peace, of anyone which tradition we're following here, because the train is the candle of love, which really gave me great consternation as I was holding off the candle of peace. And also, I see all those websites talking about the candle of love, but if you're Catholic and if you're Episcopalian, it's the candle of peace. So I'm going to get you Presbyterians. I'm with the Episcopalians here. It's the candle of peace. But in all traditions, it's also known as the angels' king. The angels' king. And I've got to be honest with you, the fourth Sunday of Advent doesn't really seem like a time of peace or angelic angels. Especially this year. It's more like the Sunday, it's more like the Saturday for Resurrection Sunday. It's a time of waiting. Time of fearful uncertainty, darkness, confusion, oppression, a time of unknowing. Will the shameless, blameless God continue to cross the light? Or will he be as, well, will he be as the former relief pitcher of the Boston Red Sox, says the guy, Tom Gordon, every time he go to, to pitch, at the final inning, he always point to the sky and says, Tom, why do you do that? 
He says, because it's the nature of God always from the bottom of the mouth. But is that true? Does God always come in at the bottom of the mouth? Will the shepherd and the glory of God actually step in and shine a light in the darkness, or will she leave us alone? Will there be an angel of deliverance to blind the enemy army that outnumbers us? Or will the angel stand in front of us with sword drawn? And when we ask, who are you for, us or our enemies, and that angel will say, neither, but as the captain of the Lord's army, I have come. Really? What kind of answer is that? I don't want a neutral angel. I don't want a disinterested third party. I want someone who will take that sword out and wield it on my behalf. Well, that's that's it. And this isn't just an intellectual exercise. It's a very real, it's not an intellectual exercise for my friends in Ukraine like that. It really isn't. They are wondering. It's a real world concern. Where are we, God? It's advent of Christ. Well, she's supposed to show up. In our resource for Anna, the woman's lectionary, I was intrigued to find that one of the readings was out of the book of Susanna. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, frankly, I've read Susanna many times before. And frankly, I'll be honest with you, I would have picked it first. Of course, she didn't ask me to know which one, but I would have gone with Hagar. Got a heartbeat with Hagar. Hagar, who is gutsy, who is tough as nails, even though she's been presented by a lot of people as passive, she is not passive. And here she is in the wilderness, and she's in need of rescue, and the angel comes and gives her water. I mean, she, she puts her boy, Ishmael, somewhere else. We won't see her die. Right? And Hagar is one of the few people in the Bible who gets to name God. You are El Roi, the God who sees me. Mary doesn't even get that real honor. I mean, she supplied the name that she's supposed to name. But Hagar actually won't But Susanna appears. And so we'll stick with Susanna. It's a rather interesting story. It's called the first detective story. Whether that's true or not, it's consequential. But it's known as the first detective story. And it is right. Really neat little reading. Um, furthermore, it's the older reading. It's not one you'll typically find in the Septuagint. It's not one you'll typically find in an apocrypha. You can have buy a copy of that. You won't find this particular It's older. And then again, we also kind of off the results, which really, what would you do with that? Come on, hang it off here. Tell me the rest of the story. Story's a sort of tale about a lady who is um, exquisite in beauty. You tell a guy with it, obviously. And I'm going to describe her as beautiful, beautiful. She's mother for, she's married to a guy named Joachim, who is one incredibly rich Jewish gentleman in Babylonian captivity, which really is interesting in and of itself. I mean, 500 slaves that they own. Really? You know? And he has a house large enough to be a community center because People come and go all the time. They have meetings there. Uh, these two guys are selected to be judges of Israel. Their elders are selected to be judged. They do all their business there in his house. 
And adjacent to the house is this garden. And that's not where he plants his cabbages. It's actually a garden, as in Garden of Eden kind of garden, a beautiful hedged garden. That there's actual gates to the garden that you can shut and lock. And this is where it starts. Now, Susanna is depicted as Lady Wisdom in some forms. You kind of you read her, you read the scripture, and you think, "Oh, this is Lady Wisdom in Proverbs." And the two elders, you give the hints along the way at the beginning. These two elders that are selected to be judges of Israel, while she is honorable and upright, they are not their lecturers. And together, they accidentally discovered that each other, that each one of them was lusting after Susanna, and so together they plot how to take advantage of her. And so, the opportune time comes, she goes into the garden, they're hiding in the which makes this really a creepy little story. The whole, you know, whole thing is real creepy all the way around. But they're hiding in the garden. She turns to her maids and she says, "Go get some oils. I think I'm, I think I'm going to take a bath." And so they lock the gates. They go out the side gate, shut the gate, and we're not given any indication whether she's disrobed or anything like that. All we know is that the guys jump out and they tell her, "Okay, either you're going to have sex with us." Or we're going to lie, we're going to say that we caught you in a very active adultery, but that the guy got away. Does that story sound familiar? John 8 says, is that just keep on cropping up? It comes up in my head, you know? And she says, okay, well, I, well, I got two choices, and I'm hungry if I do, and I'm hungry if I don't. If I give in, I deny my integrity. And I'll probably end up dying anyway. If I don't give in, you'll probably rape me and kill me. But she says, I'm not giving up my integrity. So she does what the law Moses demands that she do. She starts screaming her hell, you know. Well, these guys aren't dummies. But they start screaming their heads off too at the same time. And so everybody rushes out there and they immediately say, we caught her in the act of adultery. The guy got away. He was too, too powerful for us. And so they say, okay. Two elders, two witnesses, obviously. And I kind of wonder what Suzanne's thinking about this. Because her parents, her husband, her kids, and everybody else, they're going along with it? Okay. Here we are, we've got two elders instead of two buildings and it's close. And so here they are, they're leaving the witness to be executed. And you heard the the reading from that section of it, where the writer says, look, an angel of God is there. And the reading stops. And then we jump to the gospel reading, which is kind of parallel to Susanna when we think about it. Because here, we have Mary establishing pregnant with a child from the Holy Spirit, and an angel appears to Joseph and tells him it's a bed. And he does it before she's secretly, but you kind of wonder if the stigma still, you know, we don't know the end of that story in that sense. Does she still bear the stigma? Does she still have the, the gossip around her? And there's another more interesting note. I don't know if you noticed this. You know, I'm sure that the people who read Matthew didn't have a little inside I'm sure that they got a letter from Matthew, and that's all they had. You notice Mary doesn't get an angelic visitation at that point. 
Can you imagine Mary, if this is the only part of the story you know, Mary is told by Joseph that the child that she had is from God? Really, God? I mean, when were you going to let me know about this? Can you imagine that? But that's the scene, that's the scene of the setting that we have in this story. And then we go to Psalm 34, which is this reading too. And what jumps out to me in that psalm is verse 7. That the angel of Yahweh counts around those who fear Yahweh. And I can't just stop at that. I have to go beyond just read the rest of the psalm. And just go, and you read down further, you see that those who are rescued are called the secret beasts and pursue Peace And that God will rescue the brokenhearted. And the slave the flesh of the And I encounter all of these stories and verses. And like I said, this is a stream of consciousness rambling through me. I can't help but think of others that keep coming into my head as I've been reading all of these stories. And what comes to my head immediately is the context of Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. What's right before it, what follows it. What's right before it is that little genealogy that lists all these guys there, but there is a difference. Because unlike all the other genealogies of this time, intentionally sticking, they stick out from everything else. When you read that genealogy of male people, instead of five women and more five women. All but two of them are Gentiles. All of them are mother. All of them have some sexual connotation associated with their story, either assault, sexual assault, either being a taking advantage of sexual or a sex worker, or someone who has to resort to sex in order to be rescued, which we take on. On and on, we're seeing these things popping out, and then we jump to the passage that follows. Rachel and Lana weeping for her children who were not And we're reminded as a portion Mary does not escape Rachel's fate. It's just And then I believe the angel bring it in the And I think with Hannah too. And it's confirmation from a different kind of angel. An angel in the form of this jerk priest by the name of Eli, the Swiss high priest by the name of Eli, who callously accuses her of drunkenness, and then when she explains that she's in grief and distress, he just brushes her off with, oh my God, that's your grandchildren. Perhaps not even knowing that angels All these stories merge together again. The same story. It's love, peace, and goodness. And even if it is deliverance, and even if the ending isn't quite as satisfying as I would like to be, still God's there. 
What's another go back to Susanna? Herself vulnerable in danger of sexual assault. In execution, treated like an object, disbelieved in spite of her exemplary character, because that's what they say about her. No one had ever heard anything about Susanna like this. That's why her family's weeping. That's why they're going to accept the, the false testimony. But there is a resolution, and I'm going to the resolution in the story, two versions. The older version, which is one we're reading, mentions that Susanna is like Hannah and that she prays the silent prayer, which by the way, they didn't pray silent prayers back then, they just verbalized them. So the fact that they're praying silently is itself. So here she is, she's praying silently to God, and God hears her. And then the writer says, and look there, there was an angel of God. By the way, the newer version in the Septuagint, the one that you find in the Apocrypha, doesn't mention this one. All it does is focus on Daniel. But at this point, the angel imparts upon a very young man a miraculous wisdom. As a leader after being executed, he stops the says, I'm not going to follow this. This is not going to be Everybody has the right to cross-examine the witnesses. And you have not even cross-examined them. And so he pulls them all back together, and he separates the two witnesses, and he cross-examines them separate and apart from each other, revealing the incredible hole in their story. And so the end of the story is they leave him to execute them because they made false witness. So they need to bear the same punishment as Susanna was in. So presumably they stand. And so here's the question. Now you've got to be like rambling. You're me. I'm sorry, I said that's a horrible feeling. <laughs> but you're me. And all these stories are going through your mind. What? And don't worry, it probably won't be the one that I came up with. That's okay, I'm weird, all right? You know, but I think my life is better off on the scenes. That works fine for me. But what comes out of your As all these stories converge to you, is there no Is there something Uh, uh, the good news of not being alone as we might feel ourselves in so many ways uh, in the waiting for God to show up. Uh, hearing hearing these stories of those who've been in the same space. Uh, even if we don't feel it now, Knowing that we have a, we're surrounded by a community both historically and uh, in this room. Uh, something about knowing you're not alone. Uh, that is the presence and faithfulness of God, uh, even when it's not present. There, there's no resolution. Thank you. 
really like it. And I'm not, I'm not familiar with the Suzanne story like at all. Um, I talked to it in like a whole lot of secondary education. Um, and I, I, I like the selection uh, where it ends because that feels like Advent. It feels like where we are right now, where you are, feeling like uh, feeling for your friends in Ukraine. Like there's this, uh, it's in the middle of this terrible, um, life taking, death dealing blow. And it ends with there was an angel here. Like we're uh it feels like we're you know we're we're stumbling in the dark on some level, hoping that there is a spiritual presence that God is at work, that that there's no resolution. That just um so maybe maybe part of the function of that story, the the, the smattering of these stories is just uh um to name that reality, like to um, it 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 just it, it just it captures the the zeitgeist. It captures the moment that we're in. I think to I like what Ben said uh, uh, that this isn't the first time that people have felt that, and likely won't be the last time. Like this is it's part of the human condition. Part of our existence is to feel this tension, to feel the um, the confusion, to feel the the anticipation that all that feels very Does want to be involved with the message by latest parts and presence. And there's something about that that is very.
and we don't have to light because we have electricity. It's just a symbolic value. And your friends and loved ones might have been praying for lighting candles because they don't And they're praying this for us because they are being bombed the blazes out of the Russian Federation. Takes me off because I've seen too many photos from the maternity hospital where I look like a pregnant woman running in a chair. We're so traumatized that they from the missile attacks. Just eight days ago, another maternity hospital was hit. And you're by yourself. And children are killed flying shrapnel. Rachel and Rama, you're children. Never the time of the year. And not a month ago, a 22 year old walks into a man who's five people and people pulling him out of just because he makes the election. Never a time when stories of suicide, attempted suicide, and self harm are so common that the only way to lose them is something famous for families. That's not to denigrate that person at all. It's just to point out that it happens so frequently. That it takes that to make the news, to make the only media care that that's happening. And yet, even at this time, Charles, you said it, I can't forget that in Mary's time, life was cheap. Roman soldiers slaughtered protesters. Eric's men killed him. Strong crucified insurgents called the major pirates. Everyone's view of making it into new funds. Any day will do what you want to. Or get it. People were oppressed in ways that we can't. People keep stubbornly lighting that candle every state can win. Perhaps There are angels present, messengers of God, by children close by, who give us reason to hope in I reminded most often God is not going to be the fucking miraculous events with muscular angelic warriors, but he calls awful calls on human beings to partner with himself. You see, the angel in biblical languages doesn't necessarily mean the supernatural. So we first of all has a different step as your children Messenger is the messenger. It may be supernatural, it may not be supernatural. So, two observations. Two questions. In the darkest time of year, war, hatred, violence, despair, anxiety, and depression, not just there are still here. 
maybe to a less degree, maybe to a greater degree. I don't know. All I know is what I see. And anecdotally, it just seems to be the right? And maybe that's the way it's always been. Whatever statistics say, for us, it just seems like it just keeps increasing because we're experienced. It may be that some of you are experienced. Would you probably use a message? Would that be nice to have a message from you need a word from the Lord, a message of encouragement, maybe it's just these points. Or maybe none of that, just the presence of God come along the side of you. Yeah. The arms around you, told you, you need someone who would be the presence of God in your life like that, who strengthen you. In the wilderness, or maybe in the garden, they say, they still They're so angels To remind you that angels may be here by the new message you search for Second observation, second question. Have you been encountering? People who need the presence of God. Throughout the last few days, throughout the last few weeks, are you encountering people who need a word? Who need a word of peace, a word of encouragement, or who would be Or someone who would just be the presence of God, putting their arms around them, holding them tight. Perhaps they don't need words, perhaps they just don't. We like angels here. We to remind you that we only recognize that we are called to be God's presence, God's messenger in the lives of those called in this presence. One more story in which, well, this is one of us from my great father. He went to Potter Bible College. For those of you who know anything about churches in Christ, Potter Bible College was started by a guy named James Harvey back in 1902, I think. And my grandfather graduated from Potter Bible College. They were closed up. Some between 1902 and 1912, my grandfather graduated from Potter Bible College with a degree in mathematics. He went to Oklahoma and went to Tennessee, moved to Oklahoma to teach in school as a young single And when you're young and single, anything, and you're a school teacher, you don't just go out and find yourself in an apartment. No, no, the board, the school board, will pick you up in their homes. And so here he is, staying with all the school board members, first night there, and there's no television, and maybe not even radio back then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, let's see. <laughs> and, uh, and my grandfather 
What you need for entertainment? You have the family altar. You should have devotional time. And they pull out the family Bible and they read scripture and they sing and they talk and they visit. And so my grandfather's first time there at this home, they had family altar. And they pulled out the big family Bible and they looked at my grandfather and said, Tom, you're, you're our guest here. Would you like to read the scripture for today? I said, well, sure, I'm glad to. Which passage of the Bible would you like for me to read? He said, oh, just take me to page two. And he said, thank you. So I just let the Bible fall open, where evidently it had been going several times, so it was just kind of naturally going up to the spot. He says, immediately my eyes went to the left hand side, to the left hand top of the left hand column, which is really the English language. That's what we would naturally do. So his eyes went straight to there and it fell on Hebrews chapter 13 to forgive not to show love to strangers for thereby some scientists. Everybody got a kick out of it. My grandfather had, everybody had. They got some. But if they really thought about it, they may consider Messengers of God always. Messengers of 